I'm Charles. I'm Christine. And, and we, we eat stuff. Hi guys. Welcome to an episode of We Eat Stuff and Talk About Things. My name is Christine Guthrie and I am one half of We Eat Stuff. Welcome. In this podcast, we are seeking out people in St. Louis related to food, cooking, drinking, and eating. We are very excited today to finally make an announcement on behalf of our friends at Clandestino STL, who asked us to host a podcast with David Bolin and the chef behind Clandestino. Of course, We chat with them about what's happening with their pop-up dinner, which is happening Monday, January 28th at Confluence Kombucha. This interview was great for us because we've been seeking out an interview with David Bolin and we got to learn so much about his farm and how it came to be. He also tells us about his music career and how that's been a passion of his his entire life. His band, Loop Rat, is even going to be performing at the clandestino meal. Thanks for listening, and please enjoy our conversation with Clandestino STL. Cool. Let's do this. Hi, you guys. Hey, pretty good. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining us so much. Appreciate it. Um, so Charles and I, we're, we're over here. It's Saturday morning. <laughs> We're excited to have you over because this is sort of an unveiling of sorts. Um, We've been teasing our readers and followers about this. Um, We have two gentlemen here on our couch. You all know one, David Bolin. His pictures have been on this very mysterious Instagram account for about the last month, right? It's been about a month. Probably. (laughs) Teasing it out. So it's called Clandestino. Clandestino STL, which is sort of a new restaurant concept, I believe. And we're here to interview its uh, main chef. So welcome, guys, and I will let you take it from here. Please go ahead and introduce yourselves. All right, so uh, I'm, I'm Alex. Uh, Alex Henry. Uh, currently, I'm working at, uh, at Vicia, kind of hanging out there for a little while while I uh, figure out what I'm doing. Uh, most recently, though, I was the uh, executive chef at uh, Nixta. Um, did about a year there. Um, and then... Uh, Left in October because uh, kind of a difference of opinions of of the direction the restaurant should go. I'm David Bowen. Um, I own a vegetable farm in Perryville, Missouri. And we, we work with a lot of uh, Pop St. Louis, just Midwest restaurants, including you know chefs like Alex Henry. Uh, this relationship kind of grew out of his... Um, his stay at Nixta, you know, he was one of our, kind of our most, one of our most involved chefs, you know, we grow a lot of different things, and usually restaurants will buy like one or two things that kind of suit their concept, Um, but Alex was one of the few chefs that tried to utilize pretty much whatever he could um, that inspired him from our farm, so I've always enjoyed, enjoyed working with him closely, and so we were already planning a pop-up dinner series. We were supposed to do one last year. We started doing one the year previous to that, 
people really enjoyed it. And so, um, last year was a lot busier than I had assumed. And, uh, and so this year we got around to, to planning out, uh, a dinner series where, you know, we'll usually team up with a chef, um, write a menu of stuff based from the farm, and then the band will perform at the end. But this season, I wanted to get a little bit more involved and get in the kitchen with the chefs that I work with, and also try and involve more of the younger chefs that I work with, as opposed to um, some of the bigger names that we were working with in the past, or just older chefs that are more established. I'd rather work, mm-hmm. work with cats, um, that are, you know, my age, or not even just my age, but, you know, still have some establishing to do mm-hmm. and kind of grow with them. The up-and-comers, yeah, of if course. you will. Yeah, of excellent. So before we continue, um, you have this beverage that you brought for us. Please uh, tell us. Yeah, so, uh, <coughs> well, uh, kind of the, the jam with uh, the menu we got planning is uh, using kind of techniques and... Uh, and influence from uh, Mexico, more particularly southern Mexico, which is uh, where I'm from originally. Um, but using uh, pretty much just local ingredients. So uh, this is just going to be some horchata made with uh, some uh, local Missouri uh, brown rice and uh, Missouri black walnuts. Nice. Mm. Very cool. Would you like to try some? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's... Need to be shaken? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the, you guys do the, the raw rice will, will settle to the okay. bottom. But ba- basically, it's... You just take some rice and you, you soak it mm-hmm. overnight and then you blitz it up with a little bit of a little bit of spices and a little bit of cinnamon and clove in here a lot of times they'll put vanilla but i didn't want to put it to overpower the uh, nuts and the rice mm-hmm. gotcha. and then you put the nuts in there too and then you just strain it and just shake before you drink excellent do you have to sugar uh, as well do you have to crack the rice first um so no because it's going in the blender basically oh, you're just gotcha. trying to get some of the starch and sweetness from the rice gotcha i see thank you mm-hmm. there's a dog in your lap now i got a dog in my lap oh, sorry whatever occupational hazard right thank here. You. Yeah. gotcha well cheers guys All right thanks for thanks for doing this thanks for joining us so it should be maybe a little more astringent than normal orchata because the missouri black walnuts a lot of times there might be almonds in it but mm. this is light yeah. It's very nice. Oh, that is good. Mm. Mm. Very nice. Wow. So how long ago um, did the idea for uh, Clandestino come about? And whose idea was it? <laughs> so it, it so was his idea. So I'm going to let him answer that question, and then I'll kind of answer how I got involved. Okay. All right. So, I mean, the name kind of halfway came about as a joke when I was still at Nixta. I was talking with some of my kitchen staff about... Uh, I had been wanting to put on a tasting menu there, and that's uh, it never ended up happening. So I was kind of thinking, oh, we can do a pop up and just do it on our own, and you know, make up this secretive identity so that nobody gets in trouble for mm-hmm. for doing something on the side. And <laughs> that never really happened while I was there. And uh, you know, then then I left, and after a while, the, the idea kind of came back up, and uh, decided to kind of stick with that that name and concept a little bit but for slightly different reasons um uh, while i was at nixta and a lot of people that liked the food but i also always had this uh this issue of kind of the i guess kind of the mexican food stigma i would call mm-hmm. it where people come in expecting burritos and beans and rice and stuff so yeah mm-hmm. figure this might help uh weed that out and mm-hmm. get people to show up that are, are more inclined to 
to enjoy what I'm trying to, to prepare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most people come into Nick's so today, we're expecting like three chips and salsa and one dollar <laughs> margaritas. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally got that from some people, but I love the food. I thought the cocktails yeah. were great too, and everything mm-hmm. it was really nice. Yeah, it was lovely. Um, and so, but did you did you? Oh, I guess it started when you were at Nixon. That was your answer. So about a year ago is when, yes. when yeah. the concept of Queens, you know, okay. came to be. Yeah, um, and it just kind of disappeared for a while until yeah, I had some time more recently. Faded. I just kind of decided to do it. Yeah, and so I got involved with it <clears throat> at the end of December. I, um, while I was planning for this, this series that I was talking about, our pop-up series, which we call Soul Food for Thought, um, and I contacted Alex because, again, he's kind of in that, in that age bracket, um, of folks that I kind of wanted to focus on working with, and so I was like, you know, I got this dinner series I'm trying to, trying to do, and I'd love, you know, to... To collaborate with you on one of the events and then he let me know that they were already planning a, a pop-up mm-hmm. towards you know around the same time the end of january and so i thought it would you know i i didn't realize <clears throat> how on the ball they were with what they were doing because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. as soon as i contacted him he was like um hey you know let's meet later this week with the rest of the team and, uh, and kind of sort out how we're going to collaborate on this. <clears throat> and so I was anticipating that. And then he called me later that night. And he's like, hey, can you get on the phone for a minute and, you know, have a quick little meeting? I got the other folks that I'm working with on this project here with me. And I was like, right now? And he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah, they're right here, you know. Mm. Can we get on speakerphone? So we turned it on speakerphone and we talked for a minute. And he's like... This shit is weird, man. You guys just gonna, you know, can we just link up in person and talk about it? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, totally. Yeah. So we met up and, and kind of sealed the deal. Um, just snacking. Right. And some, mm. some things. And, and you had sweet potatoes and some yeah. squash and stuff. Yeah, mm. I had a squash soup that I made and mm. let them try these, these Japanese purple sweet potatoes that mm. I've grown really fond of this season. Mm. So we kind of snacked and got a better idea of what they had on the table and what they were trying to do and, and kind of found a, a middle ground, a synergy where we could collaborate on this first event and also collaborate on the future events as mm. well. Yeah. Very cool. Can you uh, tell everybody, so what's what's the plan? What's the dinner plan, restaurant plan maybe or not? Uh, well, as much as you can not, share? Not really, yeah. Okay. Not a restaurant plan. It's, it's okay. really just kind of feeling the water out mm-hmm. um, you know just um but we're planning doing a pop-up uh by the end of this month um hoping to do i think we were still planning on probably like three seatings of around 15 people mm-hmm. um is what the space should be able to accommodate um and it, it should be several several courses hopefully planning on it being around between nine and twelve depending on what we have over here at Dave's farm, um, and and once we put all the, the final touches together, on what'll work. Excellent, very cool. As well as time and time, mm-hmm. yes, very, indeed. Very yeah, but but it should variable. be it should be several courses of yeah. like pretty quick, like one to two buyers for the most part, with yeah. a, a few so like a, a few larger menu. ones. Mm-hmm. But yeah, pretty much like a tasting menu. Mm-hmm. Excellent. The the venue, I don't think we're 
just closing the venue just yet. Mm. Yeah, we gotta wanna, as soon wanna as just we, make sh- make sure that it's as soon as we um right. make the tickets available. Well, actually, are we planning on? Uh, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> you guys will it? find out where the venue is soon enough. Okay, <laughs> it's all a mystery. That's, that's the that's the major mystery that we're that we're still holding. But the the dinner is on the twenty eighth. Mm-hmm. That's the Monday, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 28th, and we're doing three dinners to you. So. Very good. I think this is probably going to drop about the 20th, so maybe a week yeah. or so before there, Very around cool. the 20th. Yeah. Very good. Uh, what's your guys' history in St. Louis and the food scene, cooking scene, growing scene? Hmm. I, mm, my, huh, that's an interesting question. <laughs> well, I know you've, say... you've been really... Gaining popularity, I would say, over the last year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. You've had many articles written about you, photographs, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Bowling Farms is becoming kind of one of the up-and-coming farms, I feel. Most definitely. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I'd say, you know, that that has been a blessing over the past year and a half, like you were saying. Um, just press showing love and kind of taking more interest in what we're doing, the details of what we're doing. Um but I've been working with so a lot of the, you know, chefs that I've been working with for an extended period. It's been, you know, three or four years that I've been working with some of these guys, and kind of building, learning from them as far as, you know, the types of things that that interest them, the types of things that are unavailable here, um, and all of these things, uh, as well as um, expanding my palate. You know, I grew up eating a lot of different foods, um, you know, a lot of Mexican food, a lot of Japanese food, a lot of Asian food in general, a little bit of Italian food. But even then, growing up at home eating those foods, I didn't identify them as foods from any given area, nor did I analyze the techniques used or the, you know, the ingredients used um, very much so. Um, you know, just over the past year, past few years, I've just been trying to focus on, um, just learning as much as I can from all of the, the people that I work with. Um, that's just, has always shown to be the most, um, valuable use of my time is, you know, I'm always going to be working with these people and, um, growing food for these people but if I don't take the time to also learn from them I feel like I'm wasting my time so mm-hmm. um, just been trying to soak up as much knowledge and um, information about what grows well here and or even just the intricacies of our St. Louis food scene which is a thing in itself you know just you know trying to become integrate, integrated in the community mm-hmm. that is very well established mm-hmm. did you grow up on a farm? no no not at all. How did you get to own a farm? Well, I own the business, the land itself. I do not currently own. Okay. Mm. So we'll be purchasing land here in the next couple of years. Cool. Um, I started in Ferguson. There was a abandoned building across the street from my house, and one day they were demolishing the the building. And what surprised me is after they demolished the building, they like dug up where the building was and then buried it where they demolished it. Hmm. Very strange. Well, they did Kelly. actually on our street here too. The place burned down. They buried it completely. It was the old Macklin Deli. Yeah. Mm. So I didn't know that they did that to the mm. building. They just buried them in the ground. But 
after after they demolished it, replanted grass and everything, I contacted the owner of that plot, asked him if it was okay if I grew some things over there, um, and he said it was completely fine as long as I kept the land maintained, and he didn't get fined for, you know, not keep, keeping the grass cut and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so I d initially I did it to cut back on food costs. Like mm -hmm. I said, I grew up eating at home a lot, but you know, as an adult trying to purchase these ingredients and like the, the quality, the, the higher quality versions of these ingredients that I grew up eating, it became, you know, unreasonably expensive. I couldn't afford it at the time. And so, um, started trying to produce some of the things that I enjoyed eating and cooking. And then, you know, a lot of my projects just get out of hand very quickly. <laughs> so, what happened there is, you know, I don't want to say I'm an opportunist, but <clears throat> I don't like to, if, I'm not going to overthink certain situations, you know, if things are going well and successfully, then I just roll with it. And so, I had a family friend that owned a small farm, we went to go assist her with some of the projects that they had, and then she was like, well, if you enjoy this, I want to introduce you to one of our friends that has a much larger farm. And so we went to go, we went to go um, kind of have an internship there or um, an apprenticeship and, you know, kind of just soaked up everything for, for a year, year and a half, and then started um, kind of growing the things that I wanted to grow there and gave me the, the freedom to, to grow whatever I liked over there. So. Mm, very cool. Uh, Alex, what's your story? All right. Who are you? All right. So, um, I've, I've pretty much, my whole career has basically been in St. Louis, but, um, let's see, uh, work history. I guess I, uh, uh, more no notable places, notable places I've worked. I guess uh, I spent, uh, spent a few years working for, uh, the craft restaurants company. I was a sous chef at Brasserie for a while, and then I was also sous chef at Taste for a little while. Um, I've worked several places before that, and and a few after. Um, so one of the earlier jobs I had was at a place called uh, Yaya's out in Chesterfield, and uh, at the time uh, the chef there was this guy Rob Wemra. He's got a place called Local Chef Kitchen now, but uh, he really started to instill like uh, a sustainable farm to table thing in me from an early age and that kind of just stuck. Um, then uh, I ended up at Vicia when they opened and that's that's kind of when I met Dave. Uh, and then I left there to uh, take the head chef position at Nixta and I spent a little while there. And then uh, when I left, um, Michael reached out to me, uh, Chef Michael from Vicia and asked me if I wanted to come back for a little while so while I figure out what I'm gonna do next so mm -hmm. that's where I am right now um let's see um I the the Mexican food is I'm, I'm really interested in doing that because uh I grew up uh I, I was born in Merida Yucatan in southeastern Mexico <laughs> came up here when I was younger uh, and kind of a lot of time split between here and there and there's just not the kind of uh mexican food that you get down there up here mm. everything here is like tex-mex and mm. doesn't even come close to resembling the stuff that i grew up eating yeah. um 
So I really, really want to make kind of like that food, but not exactly because we're not in a tropical region. You can't get a lot of the same ingredients, but at the same time, um, there's a lot of stuff that does work and that you can get because it's, it's a cuisine that's, uh, I mean, it's native to the Americas. A lot of the same plants grow up here that grow down there. So it logically makes sense to, to do that here. And I don't see anybody doing the Mexican techniques really with a farm to table type style. So So that's kind of the aim. Nice. Where did you guys want to be when you were kids? <laughs> All kinds of things. I wanted to be a doctor, an astronaut, a <laughs> soccer player for a little hmm. while, and hmm. uh, never imagined I'd end up cooking. I always liked hmm. eating, though. <laughs> yeah. Actually, when I was little, I didn't like eating, but that changed pretty quickly. <laughs> how did you? Uh, how did you first learn to cook? Um, probably watching my mom and my grandma. Um, a lot watching my grandma down in Mexico, she was a really good cook. She always made, made a pretty big dinner. When I was really little, we lived right next door to my grandma, so I was pretty much there every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I got older and we went down and visited, you know, I started trying to learn some of the stuff she was doing. Mm-hmm. And then later I went to cooking school and then obviously just working around town. Yeah. Dave, you? What did I want to be when I was a kid? Man, I don't remember having too many, like, <clears throat> moments where I was like, yes, I definitely want to be this when I grew up. Like I said, I grew up making music, so I always mm-hmm. knew that was going to be a big part of my life. But as far as just aspirations, yeah, I mean, I just, I knew I was going to be a musician growing up. And I knew I wasn't trying to work for someone else, like as a young adult in high school, you know. I, I think I've only worked two real jobs mm-hmm. you know, where I've been employed by other people. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, not that there's anything wrong with it, but I personally, it's hard to find a job, first of all, that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's hard to find people that you enjoy. And so... <laughs> When you have a job that you don't enjoy, run by people you don't enjoy, it's a shit place to be. So. And you only stand some people for a certain period of time, yeah. and you gotta get away from them. So. Exactly. And so, <laughs> I always like to have the freedom to be around the folks that I want to be around. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, it, you know, I had to make efforts to, um, to you know, make an income for myself yeah. and, and build some sort of business. And I'm not, I'm not like a a get-rich-quick scheme type of person, you know, it was an organic, an organic process, but I knew I wasn't trying to work for someone else, Um, because I I don't do well when people tell me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I already know what I'm trying to do for the most part. I understand. I gotta learn. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay, um, so I'm gonna throw some random questions at you guys now. Um, so this might, people might know this about you, Dave, about your music career. Mm-hmm. I, I was just going to ask you guys in general, do you have any interests or hobbies about you that no one would ever suspect? Mm. Maybe besides music? Or you can talk about your music, whatever you like. I'll let Alex go first. Then, uh, <laughs> that no one would suspect. Yeah. Yeah, it might uh, be a little secret, little secret hobbies, man. 
stuff you like learning I about really or something. I really like hanging out with my cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's actually almost like a dog. He plays fetch, and sometimes I take him to the park. <laughs> oh, cool, sweet. What's your cat's name? Cheeto. Cheeto. Is it orange cat? He's it? orange, yeah. Nice. Che- Cheeto Bandito. <laughs> uh, I guess that's what no one would suspect. A new man's best friend. Yeah. Cheeto. Um, let's see. I mean, other than that, I like like going out in the woods and hanging out and just kind of spending time in nature. Um, and then inversely on the other side, I also kind of like watching TV shows. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely like eating whenever, uh, uh, whenever I can go out to eat somewhere nice, whenever my budget allows it. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I think pretty much anyone would probably suspect that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's most of what I do with my free time. A lot of a lot of uh, hanging out with cats. Um, let me think. What do I do that? People don't know that I do. No, a lot of people still don't know that I make music because I try not to. Yeah, it surprised us when we. Yeah, I was like, wait, wait not to blend the two worlds. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, it, it's just weird for me, like trying to talk to, like some people. I, I don't tell them I farm. You know what I'm saying? Like it just mm-hmm. depends on who I'm talking to because mm-hmm. some people are just not interested in that. Also. When you own a business and you're trying to promote another business, it also just seems kind of like, I don't know. Counterintuitive. Yeah, and I don't know what to call it, but it's like, it's like I'm, I'm not trying to solicit my, you know, the, the network that I've made through, through food and like kind of force feed them my music. If they stumble upon it and enjoy it, you know, I'm, I'm 100% okay with that. But... Mm-hmm. Outside of the normal stuff, farming, you know, I spend um, the mass majority of my time um, cooking the food that I grow. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of, you know, like I said, learning from the chefs that I work with and cooking the food. That's why I grow it. I don't necessarily, not like a tree hugger or, you know, <laughs> like um, somebody that, like, I don't farm in my fields barefoot or anything like that <laughs> I, I just love food and I really enjoy the end product which is consuming the food that I grow right. which is you know why I've taken the time to grow it with such care because it makes a difference at the end of the day and so um, a lot of eating a lot a lot a lot a lot of eating <laughs> I don't realize how much I eat until I'm around like my normal friends and they're like We'll leave a restaurant, I'm telling you, one hour later, I'm like, dog, you know what I'm saying? Let's cook something. <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm about to fall asleep. Like, so a lot of eating um, in the wintertime, like right now, it's like music every day. I'm trying to, um, because the farm is so intensive, you know, um, I, it's hard to multitask outside of the multitasking that I'm already doing in my business. Yeah. Um, effectively without losing quality somewhere so I'm not just trying to I don't want to do everything at once because quality takes a hit you know if I'm doing too much at once absolutely or my drive whatever it may be you know I've always noticed that I'm negatively affecting myself if I'm over committing which I do Mm -hmm. Uh, 
question. Mm. That sounds familiar. Yeah, it's, just, <laughs> it's all a learning process. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I know. So uh, tell us about your music. Okay. Um, I'm in a group called Loop Rat, L-O-O-P-R-A-T. Um, like I said, I grew up making music. And so when I linked up with, with these... Um, these young guys from U-City, almost all of them are from U-City. They all grew up together. I'm probably the only member in the group. Well, I guess now, our drummer, another one of the lyricists in the group, Armani, um, they're not from the original crew that all these cats grew up in, mm-hmm. in the U-City school district, and, and uh, they were in jazz class together. And so the band is all um, you know, trained jazz musicians. Some of them went to school for jazz music. Um, with other influences, of course, our guitarist is like a grew up playing folk music and, and all types of things. Um, I grew up in church making music. And so we all have a lot of different influences coming to the table. Um, but it's, it's like jazz music and hip hop for anybody that's ever listened to The Roots. That's like the best. Mm-hmm. Comparison, even though it's mm-hmm. it's hard to compare, um, you know, two different groups. You know, we don't try to do anything that other folks are doing. We just, you know, aim to make beautiful music. And so, this winter, this you know, 2018, we didn't release a whole lot of music to the public, but we were all creating a lot of music. So almost every member of the band is releasing like a solo album this year. <laughs> And so we've all been working, just working heavily and, and trying to work uh, closely with each other to, you know, lend whatever creative inspiration we can to everybody's solo albums as well as, you know, continually work on our, um, our group material, mm. which would be Loop Rat. So there's a lot of music coming out from, from Loop Rat and... Uh, 2019, a lot of videos, a lot of albums uh, from all the different members, and uh, yeah, I don't know, what, what exactly about my music do you want to hear? Hmm, I mean, I think I think that's a good introduction, as you said, a lot of people still don't know that you're in a band, would you call yeah. it a band? Yeah, it's a band, okay. I guess, it, you know, and <clears throat> the more I think of collective. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's also a collective, um, so like, there's a band, which is like, it's a very, when you really think about it, it's kind of confusing. <laughs> There's a, a band, so we have like a live band, which is guitar, drums, saxophone, piano, um, bass, sometimes trumpet, and then there's four MCs in the group, or rappers, mm-hmm. as folks are calling them. Um, and then, so there's that aspect of the band. And then with hip-hop music, there's also, like, almost, like, electronically produced um, instrumentals that, that is popularly used in hip-hop. And so there, we also do um, release music with that concept where it's, like, it's not a full band in the studio. It's, like, we'll take recordings off vinyl records or from the studio and kind of rearrange I don't know have you ever heard of sampling yes right. yeah so it yep. will sample um, foreign records band members um, 
old studio recordings that didn't get used or all types of things to create new music. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Whatever inspires you. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, okay, I want to backtrack to the restaurant, the Clandestino again. Yes. Uh, with all the secret nature of this on the Instagram, mm-hmm. did, did that accomplish what you wanted? Like, has it been really curious or what? Um, well, I'm, I'm not really sure. I hope so. I I'll think tell so. You. It has. Okay. <laughs> a whole bunch of people. A whole bunch of people. Everybody. Every as soon as I get on the phone with them, they're like, "Hey, how you been doing?" Blah blah. blah. So who the fuck is clandestino? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Ah, I'm not gonna tell you shit. <laughs> right. But yeah. yeah, we've had people contacting us. You know, yeah. That, you know, yeah. They, we told we told a bunch of that we actually were gonna talk to you guys. Yeah. Didn't say who it was. Yeah. Right. But yeah, we had like the heads of like you know Saint, they had like George May calling us and yeah. like like yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah, we have no idea. Can't tell. <laughs> I was going to secrecy. It's all day. Right. No, so yeah. it, oh, sorry. I think so. Then. Yeah. I think it, I think it that was that was happened. the that was the plan. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like this is kind of a revolutionary concept in St. Louis. I can't think of anything that's happened like this. Mm. Yeah. No, nothing to think of on hand. Not with like a restaurant. No. Maybe something else, but mm-hmm. like uh, what the secret? Yes, the yeah. secret of nature of this. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a restaurant, but you know, a food thing. Yeah. Like, since yeah, it's not a restaurant, yeah, pop up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, I thought it might be, be helpful because you know, I don't really have like a, a very big name or anything right now. Mm. So kind of some go. other avenue to, to help fill seats. Yes, build, build anticipation. Yeah, yeah. that's so, right. And ho- hopefully it's not a letdown for anyone. <laughs> I don't think it will be. I don't think it will be at all. Nice. As long as they show up and eat the food, I think. Yeah, the food. <laughs> they Indeed. won't be displeased at Indeed. all. Indeed. Right. I think everybody um, will have a good time. So before we sign off, is there anything else, anything at all you'd guys like to talk about? Not even related to food or restaurants? Hmm. <clears throat> um, I think, you know, part of, part of, you know, other than we've obviously been working together, um, that this works out so well is, uh, you know, like I said, it's kind of Mexican inspired food and all that. And uh, one of the things that Dave grows the best of of anyone around is corn and you know you can't you can't really make mexican food without corn so uh that and uh i mean he's got basically just all of the staple ingredients so it's just uh it makes all the sense to to do it you know Mm -hmm. the corn squash you know different legumes some there's still some fruit hanging out Mm -hmm. um you know so there's even though it's winter there's there's plenty of stuff. That yeah, everything you need to be Mexican cuisine. Mm. Yeah. yeah, except for tomatoes. The tomatoes yeah. are peppers. We got dried peppers. Yeah, and mm. we don't need tomatoes. They're nice, but <laughs> now when they're not in season. Yeah, yeah, mm. totally. No doubt. Yeah. What about you, David? Any parting thoughts? Mm. No. Oh well, we have CSA applications that we'll make available very soon here. Okay. Um. So probably about the time this is released, folks will be able to go online and sign up for a CSA share for the following year if, if folks are interested in that. A lot of people ask me, what is a CSA? And that just stands for Community Support Community Supported Agriculture. And so what happens is at the top of the year, our customers will pay for a half share or a full share 
half share feeds like two people that don't eat at home every day of the week. It feeds one person that cooks all their meals. And uh, a full share can feed a family of four or five people um, that doesn't cook at home every day. If you cook at home every day, a full share is like for two or three people. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, they kind of get to grow with the farm in the springtime. They, they get the first pick of everything that we grow. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff, some of our more experimental things that are grown in small quantities or for specific people... Um, or for research reasons, some of those things don't make it into the CSA, and um, but are still available for purchase at the farmers market, um, like wheat lacoche. That was one hmm. where we didn't even have as much of that this past year as we had hoped for, and um, I think as soon as we had it, our CSA people were hoping that it was going to be in the CSA. But hmm. it's a it's a vastly expensive product it's it's very expensive it's like truffles so it's like certain things we can't put in the csa to make it cost effective for folks during the year and because we're not we can never anticipate how much of certain things we're going to get especially like wild mushrooms um but yeah csa applications will be available very soon for folks to sign up for their 2019 uh CSA. Excellent. Have you had a CSA before? Last year was our first year. Okay. Um, and it How was, did it go? It was very successful. Good. I think everybody really enjoyed it. Um, there was maybe one occasion, one or two occasions when I had transportation issues getting into town. I bought this piece of shit van. <laughs> and it, it did work. It, it worked for me the whole year. It, it just shit out on me uh, this past week. So... Um, you know, there was times where I was battling with the van, wasn't able to make it into town, but those are variables you just can't foresee. So other than that, everybody that was involved in the CSA was very interested in returning for the following season. And, uh, I think everyone just enjoyed for us being farmers at the farmer's market. It's not what, um, a lot of folks go to the farmer's market for. So there's like a whole school of farmers that are market farmers. So like you grow with this concept in mind. You know, you grow what, you know, people are going to buy at the farmer's market. You know what I'm saying? You grow the specific varieties of things. And you may throw in a new variety and whatnot. But a lot of the stuff that we grow is not, um, one, they're not the popular varieties. They're the varieties that we've found that grow best and taste best that produce on our farm and in Missouri. Um, and then we grow a lot of stuff that you just don't find in your in Walmart or in Schnucks. So people are looking at it and they're like, well, why are the potatoes purple? <laughs> a, a purple potato is more normal than a white potato mm-hmm. if you don't realize that. But either way, you know, there's just a lot of a lot of new things, um, a lot of new flavors and new varieties of vegetables that, not even just new, but new to the, you know, the general public, the folks that are usually shopping at the farmer's market. And so it's an educational thing for some folks, just kind of learning about where different things come from, how many different types of everything there is. People are always surprised when potatoes are in season and you have 
six different types of potatoes or sweet potatoes or we have 10 different types of sweet potatoes um, the world of food is very complex and so I think folks that um, participated in our CSA last year got to see that on another level and they also got to eat the vegetables at different stages so like when greens came into the season the first week they got baby greens the following week they got you know slightly more mature greens and you know, weeks in, then they were getting full raisin greens. Mm. And they, most folks just do not get to see that um, process of these things growing and also consuming them and the differences in the flavors and the applications in their different stages of life. Um, that's just something that, because our food system has moved so far away from, you know, being fresh or what folks uh, refer to as seasonal, you know, Folks do not have a concept of, oh, this baby green that's grown, you know, can grow on the same plant as this full-size green, um, and it just needs to be harvested at different times, as opposed to, I don't know, like, you know, people are always like, well, how do you guys get these little potatoes? You know, you harvest them early, or you, you know, you grow a small variety, you know, but, you know, I don't know, it's just a lot of... A lot of stuff that is, once you get into it, it seems very normal and um, seems like it should be common knowledge, a lot of this stuff. So I want to kind of share share these, just a little bit of information that I've learned about food with, with folks that are interested enough to try and, you know, take the risk of bringing stuff home that they've never cooked before. We always, you know, have recipes. Like I said, we cook everything that we grow so mm -hmm. we always have ideas for folks um, that they can try things at home multiple ideas if they don't like something like I said we'll gr we grow multiple varieties of different things so if you didn't like the purple sweet potato you might like the French fingerling or whatever cool so. nice excellent well Alex David thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your morning to join yeah, us thank you. Um, tell people really quick what are all your online stats if they want to find you in person online? Um, let's see. I believe uh, my Instagram. I think is uh, a Henry forty nine. Nope. I Chef it? Alex. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I changed the name of it. <laughs> I, uh, I haven't been on there as much. Yeah, Chef Alex Henry on mm -hmm. Instagram. Um, that's it's pretty much the only social media that I really am on. It's kind of one that matters these days, I guess. Yeah, 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 as far as food goes, anyway. Yeah, um, where can they find you at? Yeah. Uh, find you at Vicia. Yeah, mm -hmm. at the moment, find mm -hmm. me there. In the, kitchen. in the kitchen. I probably won't have time to talk to you, but... <laughs> yes. Okay. And then... Me? Oh, my um, online tags are Bolin Farms. B-O-H-L-E-N Farms. That's on Instagram. And you can look us up on Facebook at Bowen Family Farms. Mm -hmm. uh, where can you find me on Saturday mornings? You can find me at the Tower Grove Farmer's Market during the summertime. Um, in the winter, you probably won't see me, but eating at a restaurant, you know, if you catch me in my, um, in my hungry state, <laughs> you may find me eating somewhere, but in the wintertime, it's... Well, you could find me at a concert. You know, we do have a lot of shows coming up. We got, mm -hmm. we'll be performing at this dinner with Alex. We have oh, another cool. show coming up at Off Broadway on the second of 
or the, the 15th of February. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I guess you can find me more places than I initially thought. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, you guys, thank you so much. Of course. Really appreciate yeah, it. Thank you for having me. I'm Christine Guthrie with We Eat Stuff, and this has been another episode of We Eat Stuff and Talk About Things. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Did you like what you heard today? If so, please tell a friend about our podcast. Visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash weeatstuff and choose one of the amazing rewards we have for you. Please join us next week for another interview. But in the meantime, go out there and eat stuff. Cheers! <laughs>